the City of Holyoke Office of Planning and Economic Development celebrated a public engagement session to share with the community the plans for the Connecticut River Walk and Bikeway Cabot Street Connector. This public meeting took place at El Mercado in 413 Main Street. The goal of this meeting was to answer questions and gather information and feedback from the community regarding interests, suggestions, ideas, and an open conversation for the development of this project in South Holyoke. For more information about the project, you can visit online holyokeredevelopment.com. This is the recording of the polling meeting led by Marcos Marrero, Director of the Office of Planning and Economic Development. Thank you so much. Thank you, Marcos. Um, welcome, everybody. I want to recognize my colleague, uh, Ward 1 City Councilor Gladys Leon Martinez, is here as well. Uh, we split Cabot Street, which is awesome. So we're really both excited for this. Uh, literally, the left half, well, this side, if you're looking at Cabot, the left half is Ward 2, the right half is Ward 1. But Gladys and I share nice in the sandbox. We have Irene here, Ward 4 School Committee woman. Welcome to the Puerto Rican Cultural District. That is also of really big importance as this project moves forward. Uh, my first day on the council, I'm thankful to Gladys and Josie and all of my colleagues uh, unanimously passed. Holyoke is the number one city in the U.S. per capita of Puerto Ricans. Um, and this, we were able to unanimously pass the Puerto Rican Cultural District. So our community is really excited. Last year on this street, and this year for the second year in a row, we'll be hosting the Taste or Sabor de Sao Polio Festival. This year we're actually shutting down Cabot Street right in front of Capri Pizza. And we're gonna come and shut down the street right up until Clemente Street. So we're actually gonna be on the street this year. Our community is really excited for this. Uh, I look forward to hearing the plans as we move forward. Uh, we welcome you all, for those of you who have not been to El Mercado. Just a little housekeeping note, the sinks are down, but Jose will be here with hand sanitizer in a little bit. I just didn't want anyone to try to turn on the water and look what happened? Um, so there's a little bit of problems with the pipe. And welcome to Nueva Esperanza. El Mercado, this is what the space is for, this is what community space is for. Irene Feliciano sends us on the board of directors. Um, and I want to thank Johan Roshi Vega and Jerry, who's going to come in a minute. Uh, the South Holyoke Neighborhood Association is also a big part of this. I want to recognize Izzy from One Holyoke CDC. Go ahead, Izzy. Um, but we're here for you. Welcome. I look forward to this project moving forward. I fully support it. I know my colleagues do uh, as well. We need this uh, desperately. We need to invest in a community that needs to be shown that same level of respect. Uh, and you're going to see amazing things coming up in the next couple of months and weeks. Uh, uh, Susi Park, which is right next to the gas station. Uh, is going to be completely redeveloped. Those funds were approved. Construction's already started. We're moving forward on that. And I want to thank Marcos in the city. Valley Arena Park uh, is actually two blocks away from here where Rocky Marciano, the famous boxer, boxed his first professional match with the city of Holyoke. That park, the city's moving forward on renovating that. So, welcome. Thank you so much for being here. I look forward to hearing this presentation all for the first time with you all. But based on everything on that, I'm excited. I just want to see it happen. So uh, I'll let Marcos deal and worry about where the money's coming from, and we can fight about it in the council. But thank you all so much for being here. And it's awesome. <laughs> well, if you can do it right, it, you won't have to put in. Uh, so a little bit uh, about the agenda. I'm going to give a, an overview uh, on, on why we're not 
bike and walkway and not just merely Cabot Street. Uh, and then I'm going to hand it off to BHB and John and Christine will, uh, will describe a little bit of what's in the uh, conceptual designs. And then we really want to hear from you on uh, your reactions to what's in the conceptual designs, things that we may be missing, haven't thought of, that we should rethink, or, or whatever your reactions are. Um, doo -doo -doo. I'll skip to that because I'm not sure what it means. Okay, uh, so when we talk about the Connecticut River bike and walkway, it's not it, it's not necessarily well known, um, but there is a proposed project to connect all the communities down from Agawam up through Holyoke to Northampton uh, through uh, a, a bike and walk path. Um, many of you probably know that uh, along the river in Springfield there is a, a bike and walk and also uh, down south in Iowa. Uh, West Springfield and Chicopee have recently worked on their designs on their, uh, on their river walking bikeways. And Holyoke from the inception has been uh, part of the proposal uh, and the canal walk system has been part of that. Uh, so as we have been thinking of how we expand the canal walk, like every, every block is costly, not just to plan and design, but to construct. Uh, we're thinking, how can, we, how can we connect to the broader region and have a broader impact than just uh, one block at a time in front of the first or second level? Uh, so uh, we're looking to connect to that 20, uh, 20 mile corridor uh, through. Oh, let me see the slide here. So we're, lo we're, we're looking to connect to that corridor through, uh, through Cabot Street, uh, connecting to the Willamette Bridge, which, as you've probably seen, uh, has been a, a major renovation. Um, all the way to Canal Street. Uh, and so uh, with that, I think I'm going to hand it off to John, uh, who will describe uh, the, the, the conceptual designs that meet the standards for mass DOT uh, and what the city's trying to accomplish. Thank you, Marcus. First on the Connecticut River Walk in Springfield, Agawam up to uh, West Springfield, BHP was actually I was the designer for the section that was built in Springfield and Agawam. And we're also, we've been involved in pieces of Chicopee and West Springfield, but they're laboring through a few of the challenges of funding, acquiring property, meeting some of the standards. Um, and we're here with, with you tonight to talk more about this project, which is going to include you know, a little more than 500 feet of Ray Street and about 1,000 plus feet of uh, Cabot Street. Connecting with the uh, phase two of the canal walk, which was uh, just you know just opened just a few years ago, of which uh, we were fortunate enough to work with Marcos and, and the city on on that portion, which was great, challenging, a lot of great features to it. And what I want to talk about from you know an overall perspective is that we want to try and take the successes and the elements that were installed as part of uh, that phase two project of the canal walk. The, Pavement treatments, the sidewalk treatments, the street lighting, uh, the benches, and incorporate those as they can fit within the Cabot Street corridor and also the rest of Ray Street. So we're going to take that that treatment, which was a shared use lane uh, along Ray Street with a parking lane, 11 foot to I'm sorry, 14 foot uh, shared use lanes along Ray Street. So right now it ends at Appleton, or the phase two ended at Appleton. We're going to pick it up at Appleton and it goes a little bit southerly until you reach Cabot Street. And the cross section is going to have two 14-foot shared use lanes and then two seven-foot parking lanes. To, you know, and that kind of meets the mascot, that's the OT. Are there any questions at the end? I'm sorry. I'll leave it to you, Mark. Someone you want to Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, and that meets the uh, MassDOT uh, design standards for, um, uh, for you know, accommodations within existing city streets where you know, we're trying to maintain parking, uh, maintain pedestrian connectivity through uh, appropriately sized sidewalks, and then also have safe crossings and uh, access across um, or, or through the car. Next slide. So the next slide is we hit Cabot Street. We're proposing two 11-foot travel lanes, two 7-foot parking lanes on the outside, so you can see those on the outside, and then two 5-foot two bike shoulders, which would be between the travel lane and the parking shoulder. And the reason that it's laid out like that is when you have a travel lane adjacent to a parking lane, 
and having like the combination kind of between those, you need to have more, you need to have a little bit more width than we have right now on Cabot Street. So by striping it and uh, by striping it so that it will, it will uh, include the bike lane or the bike shoulder is what we're going to call it, between the travel lane and the parking lane, it's, uh, it's only going to be five feet. We'd like it to be six feet so that way we can strike it appropriately and sign it for a bike lane versus just a bike shoulder. It's just that if we were to um, widen out that, that shoulder a little bit more to meet that standard, then we're going to be narrowing our sidewalks for pedestrians and our observations along the corridor and, and to meet, again, we're trying to meet the you know, state design standards, um, it would impact the uh, pedestrian activity on the sidewalks. And what we've observed, at least for now, is we can accommodate the bikes in that bike shoulder, but the pedestrians have a real uh, presence in the car and we want to make sure that we're not narrowing and looking for waivers from standards to have narrower sidewalks because we feel the pedestrian activity is so great there we want to enhance that and obviously we know that parking is a premium so we, I mean we're just trying to fit a lot of different things in, a, in an existing car between you know the back of existing walk and building fronts um, and trying to you know accommodate travel lanes uh, you know bike shoulders parking pedestrians, it, you know, there's just so much you can fit in this. We're trying to have, there's a little compromise in each one of those standards to accommodate bikes, to accommodate pedestrians, where, you know, if we were, if it was just strictly, hey, you know, we're worried about bikes, we're worried about cars, then we would have a little bit different approach to it. So, and tonight is really to gather a little bit of input. If I hear differently, or, you know, we hear differently that this is more important, or parking's not important, and I'm, I'm throwing things out, I'm saying that we feel that way. But if we were to hear from some of the businesses and the residents that, you know, we, we, we could get away with eliminating parking in a few areas and we could, you know, make some changes in sidewalk or in shoulder width so we can accommodate bikes better, then we may do that. So we're at a conceptual level looking to get your input. Uh, nothing set in stone at this point. We're trying to meet standard and move forward so we can uh, be uh, applying for state funding, state and federal funding for the overall uh, you know, project limits that we're talking about. So just for the cabinet main street intersection, we have these bump outs which improve pedestrian connectivity, you know, and kind of recess the parking a little bit, tuck it in, you know, against the curb, provide it safer. Now there's a common misconception that we're eliminating parking here by having these bump outs. State law can't have parking within 20, 25 feet of an intersection. Again, if it's, if it's wide open, people may use it and it may not be ticketed, but from a safety standpoint, we're trying to meet those standards to make it safer for pedestrians and also try to, um, uh, it gives us areas to, you know, do some landscaping or streetscape treatments here. It improves our pedestrian connectivity and it's not impacting uh, legal park. Um, the uh, intersection at Cabot Main has, has a few issues. Uh, I'm sure we would love to install a left turn lane in, uh, in some of the directions, but we just, again, don't have the width there, so we'll, we'll replace the traffic signal equipment with equipment that'll give us uh, the ability to put permissive turn lanes in, or permissive um, phasing in for turning. So we may give a, a lead left turn here, or a lead left turn here, so that anyone who wants to make a maneuver, you'll have a you know, flashing yellow or a green ball that'll allow you to make that turn when you could be in a opposition to a vehicle in the other direction. Helps us to, uh, you know, try to, uh, uh, to in increase capacity at the intersection, but also um, it, it gives, you know, we don't have the room to widen out and put dedicated turn lanes in. Am I? The crosswalks that are shown there? These here? Well, the, the ones that... The existing ones? These are the, the existing ones. These would right. be the new ones. I just wanted to differentiate. No, no, that, that's fine. Does the city use the ladder like that, or do you do? You do? I mean, unless we were to look at streetscape treatments for some of the crossings that we did down Race Street, and as part of the canal walk, then we, we would put in the uh, the ladder. We might have some textured pavement in there, but it's just something that we'll be you know, thinking about as we move forward. <coughs> Next slide. Oh, I mean, consider the modern way of dealing with this, which is a traffic circle. You eliminate the light and you slow the traffic so that it's safe for business. I'm gonna attack, I'm gonna talk touch on that in a moment on both intersections, okay? We'll come right back to that. So when we get to 
uh, cabinet rings, kind of a similar treatment. It's not signalized here right now, but we're just trying to show how we would address some of the treatment at the intersections to uh, recess the, you know, again, the parking and, um, and also provide better pedestrian connectivities at those locations. The, this symbol here is what's painted on the pavement where we have a shared use lane, so it's showing uh, a bicyclist and a, what's called kind of like a shadow with the uh, Chevron above it. So that's saying that, you know, that each user has to share the roadway, so you're gonna have a bike and a car occupying the same space. It's just, identifies it and alerts the motorist that there may be a bike there and the bicyclist that you may have a vehicle in, in that location. Just wanted to call that out because we have some of those symbols on uh, on the plans here. Um, before, when we, the next one we get into is on schedule. We've done a preliminary traffic study along the corridor. It's about 9,000 vehicles a day that are now traveling on Cabot Street, about 2,100 vehicles a day that are on Grace Street. And we did some preliminary analysis on the intersections and with the proximity of buildings and pedestrians in these locations, we didn't feel that, the, that our analysis didn't, didn't really show that um, traffic circles or roundabouts were gonna be successful in the, at um, Main and Cabot or at uh, Cabot and um, Canal. So it's not something that we're exploring right now. As part of our traffic study for the state when that submittal was made, we have to do the calculations and show them what our, you know, at least that is an option. But right now, we're just not feeling that it's the it's the best uh, treatment and solution for these locations. Just because, again, proximity of pedestrians, buildings are right back there. When we get into Canal Street, especially, we have the bridge, which is the bridge over the third level canal, is right there. We're going to impact that with any kind of circle. So right now, our preliminary traffic numbers are indicating the circle is the best way to go. So some of the crosswalks and, and, uh, and what we call like a bulb out or a bump out with, you know, where we'll bring these uh, pavement treatments out at the, uh, at the intersections. I'm not sure, was, is this one on? Yeah, we just, we just added. Okay. Yeah. Um, so this so is what we're trying to do from a safety pedestrian standpoint, shorten that crossing distance, provide some safe um, refuge, you know, we as you're getting away from the sidewalk, but trying to be with, you know, make sure we're, we're meeting ADA, and then also we're, we're not impacting parking, as I said, at intersections, uh, you know, as long as we're on outside of that 25 foot uh, extension from the, from the side street, then there shouldn't be any parking in that area anyway. Excuse me, I have one question. Where, where does the, 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 the bike path start? The bike accommodation through both cars will, will tie into the bike accommodation that's at Appleton Street that came as part of the canal walk and bring us up to Cabot. And then along Cabot Street, it's a shoulder along both sides of Cabot Street all the way down to Canal Street. And will the eventual goal be to connect it to the South Island Bridge? Yes. Yeah, so I anticipate there's going to be a question as to where, where the so the reason why I'm asking that question is because wouldn't it be better to go down Canal Street all the way to the flats and then go that way because so, there that would be able to handle the width because that other side of the canal down Canal Street doesn't have anything. It's all like bare grass and cement. So you can actually build they have an agrimony down Canal Street all the way down to Chicken Bridge. And it would actually like I don't know. Dumping down there. Too. It, it would help out a lot much, like in that flat area, and to connect out. Like me personally, I've been talking about this myself. I didn't know you guys had this. So, um, it would continue to Chickabee Bridge to go into Chickabee, but then it continue down Canal Street and South Holyoke, all the way down South Holyoke, and go around and then go back up. You know what I mean? You can connect other pieces to it. But uh, that's, a, that's a very good idea. And in fact, it's not an either-or scenario. We're actually pursuing that. Um, we, we may potentially be able to do that one in a very short time period because it's mostly having to do with paint. Yeah. Um, the, the right of way is so wide there um, and, and you have uh, un unimpeded uh, progress, but you need to provide the visual cue so that uh, a, a bicyclist isn't uh, nipped by, by a vehicle. Um, you know, where, where, where we're going, not just as Holyoke, but the state of Massachusetts and, and throughout the country is providing, looking at the right of way, not just for vehicles, right. but for, people who are walking or choosing to bike. And so the the modern way of, of programming the improvements on a street 
public right away is accommodating all, all uses. So particularly on Habit Street, which has a lot more local use, right? You're gonna go, you either, okay. either live there or you're going to a business, you're gonna go shopping, you have a pizza, whatever it is. Um, that has more, more of that local traffic. But yes, absolutely, we will be pursuing. Uh, and, and, and again, I'm sorry if I'm, like, I'm not no, trying to, right. because at the end of the day, I, I feel Cabot is extremely busy to start, like, with a, with a, with a bike path. Like, I feel like Holyoke doesn't, doesn't understand the biking rules. We don't do like Northampton. <laughs> We're not stopping for you. That's how it is out here. I'm sorry. If you, I've tried to walk the crosswalk, and they don't stop. No, no. So, like, you should just suddenly plug in something on a very busy street. There's going to be probably a lot of accidents. So I feel like maybe, I don't know. And, that, and, so, that's, and that's why we're winding the street, because there, 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 at least as suggested right now, the sidewalk uh, is, is very wide, uh, but it doesn't necessarily have yeah, the size of, of traffic that we're going to be getting as part of the city. So we can still uh, we can make it uh, not as wide, but still pretty wide, five, five and a half feet. Mm -hmm. That would still accommodate uh, uh, parking, bike lanes, and, and, and vehicle traffic. Also, have in mind that when you when you make things a little tighter, the effect that it has on vehicle traffic is that as the visual cues are smaller, it actually reduces speeds of vehicles, making it safer yeah. for everyone, particularly pedestrians who are crossing. If you have a wide open sense of a road, you may not notice it going 40, 45 miles an hour, and that does not make a safe environment. Yeah, All that line on Cabot Street, if this was Europe, what they would have done, I believe, would be to extend the sidewalk out five feet, create a designated bike lane in the sidewalk on above the curb, possibly having a secondary curb for the pedestrians or not. I've seen it both ways. That removes the bicycles from having to contend with the traffic at all. You still have the traffic calming because you've narrowed the traffic flow zone, and that helps when you have to cross or do anything else. There are options for that, but um, when you when you start to uh, you know you look at separated bike lanes and cycle track, there are again there's some other rules and challenges. So we couldn't fit in a cycle separated cycle track um, within the corridor with uh, that type of scenario, and that's why we kind of went to the scenario of just providing enough of each. I don't want to call them the minimums, but you know the uh, the shared use opportunity so we can try to maximize the car as much as possible when you, when you go to an elevated you know separated cycle track it has to be separate from pedestrians and it has to have a certain width to it so it's it's something that we it doesn't have to be separate from pedestrians or simply it has yes it has to be separate from pedestrians so we you know we need to be a little more flexible like the germans and allow us to share the if same you elevation. get that started <laughs> no i mean it's really because it would be far safer than this solution. No, I, I, I understand. But I'm saying that the state has adopted some standards yeah. uh, for all you know for all users within the right of way, right. and and that's really some of the rules that we're we're, we're kind of um, we have to follow because yeah. you know we need to accommodate all users, so we want to make sure that yeah. we can maximize the best we can for pedestrians, for bicyclists, and for vehicles in the roadway. And, and what's important to the city and the businesses is is the parking. Before the one, Marcos, I thought we were going to take questions at the end. You were the first one. You were so. If I want to answer your question before we go too far, I'm not. How much, how much more do we? Because I have a lot of thoughts. But how much? How, how much more do we have in the presentation? Just, just a few more. Well, let's, yeah, let's keep going. Right. Thank you, though. Thank you. Uh, I just thought that it was rude that we said we were going to wait. Started taking all these questions. I was overwhelmed. And that's <laughs> so, so the other point, we, we want to hear from you though. If, you know, if there are amenities that you want to see that require sacrificing other amenities that are here that you feel are not valuable, like parking, we want to hear that, particularly from residents in this area. And if residents in this area don't value parking, that's something that we want to hear. We, we, we assume that it's valuable, but that may not be the correct assumption. So some of the things we talked about there, these are elements of the uh, canal walk that were constructed. There's a bridge over the uh, second level canal, the pavement treatments that were uh, utilized, the lighting, the benches. So we're looking to, to continue to utilize these as part of uh, expansion of the car. But again, we do want to hear your input if it's like 
excuse me, really didn't like that, or this didn't work here for whatever reason, the pavement's popping. You know, those are things we're gonna look at more closely um, before we finalize any kind of design. But the people who use it, walk it, drive it every day, really see things differently because you know, you're observing it. And, and then we come out and look at something, we may miss something one particular day because something's changed. But these are the uh, type of amenities that we would be trying to, you know, that we'd be exploring as part of the streetscape, what we call the streetscape palette for the, for the project. Could you talk a little bit about, because um, we won't be here, about the bridge? Uh, the, I'm sorry, the bridge? The bridge on the bridge, what will be involved in it? Well, right now, I think if anyone has, has driven or walked over the bridge, you can see that the railings are in really tough shape. Um, there's uh, there's barriers, some fencing. We we did an inspection. This is the bridge, right? The bridge right uh, down the Lovance uh, Bridge. There's a yeah. really small small span. Uh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's it's a three span arch bridge over the third level canal. So it's down at Canal Street and uh, it carries cattle. And those railings are just the concrete spalling. We've lost some stonework. Uh, you know, the bridge is not in an imminent hazard that it's going to fall down. It's a little bit more of the cosmetics. We did do an inspection back in October of last year. We did a you know, brief report for the city to say, hey, cosmetically, there's some issues. Structurally, there's a few things we ought to you know, want to repair so we can, you know, we can minimize water infiltration in certain areas that may cause deterioration to accelerate. But really, we're looking at the, uh, the railing elements being, you know, try to remove those and replace them. We need to make them crash tested so that any, any vehicles that jump the curb don't hit the uh, railing and go through into the canal. Um, and then also that it's safe enough for pedestrians. So as part of the project, we're looking at you know, some, some investigation to replacing the railing so that there'll be crash testing and also will be uh, better aesthetically and be able to be a pedestrian railing for uh, you know, folks walking through the car. The, uh, you know, we, as part of the project, we would be dealing with MassDOT on the review side, on the permitting side, and on, uh, you know, meeting their standards. They would get involved in the bridge portion of that as well, making sure we meet those standards on the, uh, the railroads and stuff. Uh, briefly, you know, I kind of laid out a little bit of a schedule of what's been completed to date and in some just some very brief timelines. But, you know, we completed a uh, Completed a field survey along the limits. That's what we use to prepare the plans that are behind me. We're having a you know, public outreach meeting today to gather input, you know, on the project. Uh, once we get that input, we'll be working on the preliminary design through you know June through the fall through probably November of this year. Um, then there'll be the agency review, which is mascot, you know, through the winter into probably early spring, and then we'll have what's we'll address their comments initially, and then we'll have what's called a design public hearing. A little bit more formal than this. The mascot will come out, we'll pick a location, whether it's within the corridor limits or either some public facility can be seen all the time, so that they can have a more uh, you know, an official public hearing will be a stenographer, will be representatives from the right of way bureau. That way they can kind of go through the legal requirements of, you know, the city applied for the grant. These are the things that we're going to need done. People's property rights are, are protected if, you know, property needs to be acquired. What utilities might be impacted. Um, and then, it's, again, it's a little bit more formal process. BHB is representing the city. We will be there presenting the project on the city and on DOT's behalf. It's just, they want to get a flavor from the community that you're supportive of the project. It's not that everyone's in favor, we're all gonna do I. It's just that they want to know in general that you know if we have five people or 50 people, that people are supportive of, hey, I mean, not like every little piece, but I'm excited that the city is, is at least bringing this project forward, and I'd like a few things tweaked, but in general, you know, we're, we're on board. And um, if they get a lot of opposition, sometimes projects can get a little derailed. Um, and uh, you know, so we try to try we try to get the issues out at outreach meetings like this, address them, engage everyone in the process. You know, you're not going to love me at the end of this. You're not going to, you know, you, you may not like Marcos at the end of this. There's things that we're not going to. Like yeah. There's going to be things that we may not be able to accommodate, but. I think what, what we're trying to do is engage you in the process. You'll understand what some of the challenges are so we can't put in everything that you might want, but we said, oh, well, if we do this, then that causes this, and this causes this, 
you know, this kind of a chain of events. So getting you engaged, having you be part of the process is extremely important. Um, it's, you know, in, in the old days with the state, it was we the from the state, we had to help you, and then they didn't always listen. They listened more to the community projects. And with Michael McManus and Marcos being on board with us, you know, I've done hundreds and hundreds of state projects, uh, community projects. So getting them on board with us, getting you engaged with them, uh, is really uh, a benefit to the community to have this stuff go forward. So that's kind of our layout for the next, on the official side, for the next, you know, probably 12 plus months. Um, I think the next slide is beyond that. Or? Yeah. Could you, um, since we're going to see 75 percent and 100 percent in the next slide, could you just kind of explain the weird way that MassDOT calls those things? Or yeah. That's necessarily we're in what's called the preliminary design phase. You know, and when we finish this phase, we go with what they call it. The 20, they, they just have milestones. They call it 25, 75, 100 percent, and. It doesn't necessarily line up like perfectly with that's 25% of the job, 75% of the job, 100% of the job. But there are certain, they have a design book criteria that says at 25%, we'd like these things done. At 75%, we want these things done, and then at 100, et cetera, et cetera. So what we're talking about now is an outreach and then going to 25% design and having the public hearing. That brings closure to that, that preliminary design phase. Once we get through that, that design public hearing, say next summer, next, or next spring into the summer, they'll allow us to go forward with what we call the intermediate or the 75% design phase. That's tying tying down the uh, curb line, some of the loose ends, uh, the drainage pieces to the project, uh, the, the streetscape elements, and starting to put together some costs. So that way we can say, well, how much is this? Is this going to cost us 2.5 million, 4.5, 5.5? And, and then it needs to fit on the transportation improvement program, which the city will, will work with um, Pine Valley Planning Commission on making sure we get the project program. So we get through that stage, we start doing estimating. Uh, once we get through that 75%, we start doing some of the right of way. And you know, right now, outside the, the sidewalk limits, there's some walkways, there's obviously driveways, there's some parking lots. There may be some grading at the back of sidewalk to maintain ADA, maintain you know access to properties that we may impact some private property, might be just some little grading, might have to rebuild a sidewalk or a, a walkway to a property or some of the parking lot or something like that. That's part of the right away process. The city's going to be responsible for working with the with the abutters on acquiring the rights to do the project. We don't know what those exact limits are going to be at this point. As I said, we're at that early phase, but that's what that process will be. They'll at least be part of, say, look, we need two feet behind your, you know, behind the sidewalk, which is your property. It might be, a, as I said, a sidewalk or it might be a parking lot. We might need to cut that out, replace it. And, and the, you know, for the temporary use of that, there may be a cost to the project for that. Once we get through that, you know, eight, that right of way, we get back into the agency review again, and we're doing the 75s on the right of way, and then we begin with what's called the final of 100% design. It's really finishing off the design, finalizing the calcs, finalizing the costs, finalizing the contract documents so that they can welcome bid. And we're looking at probably the fall of uh, 19 into 2000, uh, 2020 is when that's gonna happen, you know, barring any unforeseen craziness at the <laughs> Is that okay? Yeah. Contact information, but uh, questions, reactions. Gonna take the gentleman in the back. He was <laughs> right. Okay. So um, thank you for this, and I apologize I was late. Uh, so I'm Price Armstrong. I'm the vice chair of the Holyoke Bike Head Committee. Um, I want to push back hard on a couple of things. One is I don't like the question: Is parking important? Because I think if you ask anyone, they're going to be like, "Of course, parking is important." But the broader question is what do we want our streets and our community to look like? Um, I feel very strongly that uh, I want a community that's good for people and not a, I'm gonna put it, you can either build a community that's great for driving through, it's great for cars, or you can drive a, build a community that's great for people and great to like exist in. When you think of great places, you don't, you don't think of like a parking lot, you know? You don't think of, you don't think of lined uh, uh, on-street parking. Um, so that's, that's one thing that I want to push back on because when I see Sharrows, 
I, I really don't like sheriffs. Um, there's a, a concept of eight to 80 streets. You wanna be able to take an eight-year-old girl or your 80-year-old grandmother biking down the street or walking down the street and um, mixed traffic with sheriffs, I would take neither an eight-year-old nor an 80-year-old. You know, I feel fine. I'm a 32-year-old dude who can keep up with traffic pretty easily. Um, so, you know, we've got commercial, we have a lot of residential. Another thing that I would point out, I've looked at the census numbers, the number of, the proportion of households with no vehicles whatsoever is highest in this part of the city. So, hence, the part of the city where people are more likely to bike or walk is right here. So when we're thinking about how do we build to actually serve the residents living in this neighborhood, on-street parking may not be the most important thing. I'm just, I mean, I don't live in this neighborhood, so I don't want to speak for anyone, but I'm just saying the numbers would indicate that, and, and I bike through this, uh, I bike down Cabot every day getting to work. I see tons of people on bikes, tons of kids on bikes. Sure, people are all, all over the place, but if you had bike lanes with arrows and people felt comfortable, then maybe they would actually um, know where they were going a little bit more. Uh, sorry, uh, follow follow the, the, the rules of the road a little bit more. Um, my second point is, I also see seas of off-street parking. So before we start um, uh, 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 wringing our hands over removing parking, um, I would I would question how much parking do we really, like, do we have a lack of parking down here? From my eyes, I see tons of off-street parking areas. It's just not well facilitated or, or, or well utilized. You know, so that's another question that I have. Um, because and then my final point, then I'll get off my soapbox, <laughs> is that, God willing, we're going to see tons of, tons of economic activity and these mill buildings are going to get developed and we're going to see a lot of population growth in this neighborhood and we're going to, you know, we're, we're, we're going to see a lot, a, lot of, a lot going on around here. And it's going to be a lot easier to install bike lanes because we're removing like one side of parking today than fighting the knockdown drag out battles that I've seen go on in Cambridge and Boston and Northampton about installing bike lanes, you know, 10 or 20 years from now. So I hope that makes sense. So, you know, let's like, we're doing this project. It's gonna be this way probably for the next four or five decades. Let's make the right decision right now and really build toward, build toward the vision for a people oriented community that I personally would like to see and I'm gonna fight hard for. So thank you. <laughs> so. I just I want to just uh, not respond, not dispute, or anything like that. When the city went forward with Mass DOT on the canal walk phase two down further down Race Street, so from Appleton, which I don't have planned enough from Appleton, further down and then across the second level down, they had to eliminate some parking down there. That was a drag out fight mm -hmm. that we have to put the parking back. So there were compromises made to put the parking back in that area. So I agree with you. If there's a way that it can be done, then we want to make sure that we're accommodating all users. But it's it's um, it's the neighborhood, it's input, and then it's trying to balance. And I think you know, as as a rider, you understand that we're trying to balance the needs of all. Unfortunately, what's happened over many decades is that the, the auto, automobile became the centric. So it all revolved around that. So now anything that we want to change seems like it's such a wholesale change and it's so detrimental. It, it's just that we want to try to accommodate all users within the car um, as best we can. And how can we do that? And the input that we've heard, heard, not yet for this project, but from the neighborhood has been that parking has been uh, a major, a major area that we need to focus on. So we're looking to try to balance it as best we can. If there's a way to eliminate with some off street, uh, or other side streets, then that's something that can be certainly explored. I didn't want to take that away from you, but I just wanted to answer that. Obviously on Ray Street we had some challenges when parking was eliminated, and I think we're here to get that input. And I do appreciate, you know, your perspective that you know, we'd like to have um, parking, better sidewalk access, better bike access, etc. And, and we're going to try to balance all that as part of the project, but sometimes it's that you know, how, what can I fit within there as best I can so that everybody has some, some accommodation that works? But we'll, it's something we'll consider as we move forward. Yes, sir. Yeah, so uh, to kind of talk about that question, um, parking is at a premium here in South Holyoke. Uh, so I would actually argue that, yes, parking is huge. A few things is I talked to the owner of the racing mark, they couldn't come. Their parking lot is being used for clients at 
either MD beauty salons or they're parking for the barber shop. There is no, uh, and in the residential zones, Gladys knows, we're finding more and more resident-only parking. So I actually have two orders to make parts of South Canal, South Sumner, resident-only parking where you have to have a resident permit. The neighborhoods, yes, are getting inundated, but a lot of these younger kids who are now teens are getting cars. So now you have households, yes, even though it's you know, more, most walkable, they're parking behind Seatown in the dirt parking lot. They're parking right behind Cabbage Street. So I, I look at this thing, I see it as a happy medium because down here, it is gonna be a knockout drag out fight. And if you do eliminate parking on Cabbage Street, for the business owners, they're gonna go crazy. For the residents of Cabbage Street in those apartment buildings, and there's another urban agenda grant that we're fighting to create more housing units in South Holyoke. Mm -hmm. And right now, Carmen's not here today, but she would flip out. When the haunted house is open from October, there's no parking. So at night, there's no parking or during the day when the scares are there or the people are in town or even for the festival. We did the festival last year. Parking was almost non-existent. This year, we're shutting down the street. So now they're going to go into the neighborhood. I know I'm going to get calls and complaints about that, but I'll deal with that later. But I think it has to be a happy medium and a balance. Um, because it is it is at a, at a super high premium and I know that that is what especially the business owners like Maria from MD they all park right along the racing mart literally from the, where the dumpster is they're using the racing mart gas station parking lot as her parking lot so she works something out with them but I know that they're gonna want to know what that is in South Florida's not as it's full capacity for businesses we have a lot of open retail and storefront spaces that I'm sure with this new design are gonna want to open up down here and parking's gonna be even tougher. Even and so I, I think that it, you have to strike that happy balance of medium. No one's ever gonna be 100% happy, but I know that for the residents down here, they're gonna want that parking. And we should write lots for filing tons for resident-only parking. Like I told you, South Canal and South Sumner Street, I already have orders for next city council meeting. They want resident-only parking signs. I just did a whole bunch in Churchill. South Holyoke's the next wave of residents were like, that's my parking spot. Thank you for your input. You're welcome. Yes, ma'am, will you? I um I do and, and I, I, I agree with you somewhat and I also feel that you know as as a happy medium as well you know we do have this um, city parking which is next to Racing Mart right there we probably you know if we take care also that parking space right there that has not been taken care of for some time and it's a city owned maybe lighting it up a little bit more giving it more like a a friendly uh, you know atmosphere for those who may not and when we lose out as a business you try to promote that more because that parking just across the street for many of these businesses, but nobody wants to use it. It's because, you know, it's sort of a luxury hangout type of environment that doesn't let people come into it. But I know that that has been addressed in the past to me in regards to it. Um, and I agree with um, my colleague here. In addition, I, I also think that, you know, we may be creating all these pathways and whatnot. And I, I just, want to ask the questions. I've seen this in other communities where they even have rental bikes in the neighborhood so that the people they understand what the purpose of the usage is because we can do this and do as many lines as we can and they don't know what's the goal of it or the purpose. I know that when I go to like in Washington DC, there's everywhere, that's what I do. I bike just to get the exercise and it's nice to go walk it on go through it and you could bike and drop it off at the next stop and whatnot. And these are things that I think would promote and people to understand to do so. Um, and also in communities that are limited with resources, which this one of these neighborhoods, you know, we're both in the same neighborhood, so that resources are limited, that so people can rent it for the moment if they cannot afford to get a mountain bike or whatever kind of bike you need to. Or if they simply don't have a place to keep that bike. Right, so then that would be more of, a, of an opportunity to try to share this, you know, because again, I just want to make sure that we're investing in something that at the end of the day is really worthwhile. I think the pathway of people walking, that's going to be a great, you know, beneficial because I know that um, uh, easy like this last weekend with the river um, event. People, what you're saying, why can't we take that canal that is right behind Canal Street and we'll walk halfway? This is people telling it us right here. Yeah. It only makes sense. And but, to you so, that means, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that means people, people, people will use it as a walk of an exercise on a daily basis. So I'm favoring this, but I also want us to think about we can do as many lines, but if they're not going to utilize the purpose for it, I just want to. Bring it up. So, if I, if I could, uh, sort of provide some context to the answers, 
so uh, the city is part of the regional uh, Valley Bike Share program. Uh, you, might, you may have seen some stuff in the press recently. Um, we've been working on it over the past year and change. Uh, the, the state has allocated the capital funds to create uh, five stations in, in Holyoke. Uh, our next challenge is finding the operational money. Uh, every city that's participating, so that's Springfield, Holyoke, Northampton, uh, South Africa. South Africa, thank you. I'm missing one. Uh, Amherst and, and UMass uh, is responsible for the operational costs, uh, which we estimate is $12,000 per station per year. Uh, this would be to hire, to hire a, uh, a station operator. Now, the approach that all of us are taking is we're looking for sponsorships for the stations. So, uh, the private sector is stepping up to be able to have the naming rights. In New York City, for example, you have City Bike, but it's City Bank, it's CITI. Mm -hmm. um, Hubway in Boston, I'm not sure, of a, I don't remember who sponsors it. Um, but there, there are multiple models like these where you can have it by, by sponsorship. So uh, stay tuned. Uh, that's, that's one of the things that, that we're working on. Well, I will tell you that the recommended um, spot for one of the stations is right on Cabot Street. We've recommended that it go in front of. Town because it's a it's a place that has when we did the feasibility study one of the things that, that is heavily recommended is that you locate these these bike stations in places that have uh, uh, it's it's either a, a transportation hall like in front of Veterans Park where we have a bus station or places that have a lot of visitors uh, like a library or or in front of the Town shopping center. The other thing is that we uh, the city's been working with the bicycle and pedestrian community price I mentioned that he's the vice chair. Uh, we do have a draft uh, bike map, uh, which is what I was alluding to, that we've, we've, we've drafted as one of the lanes uh, throughout South Canal Street to the bridge at South Hadley. It may be something that we can act on in the short term. That would probably be accompanied by some sort of simple signage so that people are aware. So this is part of a multi-sector, uh, multi if you will, multi-strategy effort uh, to increase bicycle usage. You mentioned the River Rollers Troll, the Bike and Pedestrian Committee, they, they led that. They, 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 they drove that precisely so that people could uh, learn more about this stuff and, and just intuitively say, we should have more of this. So you know, my hat's off to them. It was a great event. It was a, it was a big success. And it's, it's part and parcel of all this that we're trying to do. Um, yeah, um, just my question is, so then in the beginning he said, Everything's not set in stone, but right now it sounds like Ray Street is going to be one of the spots where well, it starts well, at regard. No, just, just to clarify, what we're here to talk about tonight is Ray Street and Cabot. And, 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 and I'm saying that. It sounds like Canal Street is totally out of the picture well, and you're done. But see, Pretty it, much, that's it. Whereas, whereas you're going to see Cabot. It's excellent. It's just that the city, no, hear me out. The city sought our assistance. For what's here today, I think that what uh, what you're recommending or what you're suggesting Makes is something sense. that you know with Canal Street is something that the city can pursue, but it's not something they're pursuing. It's not that we're looking for a place to build something. It's that Canal, I mean, me, Cabot Street and Ray Street. No, I, I totally understand all that part. The part that I'm saying is it makes more sense. It's a lot more easier to go on Canal Street. All the stuff that you're saying wouldn't even be an issue on Canal Street. The stuff that he said to where he referred to as driving eight-year-olds or 80-year-olds yeah. wouldn't be an issue on Canal Street. It's already a beautiful site on Canal but Street. I think that, again, all your, your recommendation, the next one recommendation, is that you have a solution to, or you have a location that we ought to do this. <coughs> it's something that I would defer to my, you know, uh, the representatives of the city. So we're not saying we're not doing Canal Street. I'm, I'm telling you we want to do both. And we could probably get to Canal Street before we get to this one. But this one is more complicated, seeing as there's so many uses of right. And, and, and where, the city is, where the city is seeking state and federal funds, they could do Canal Street at a little bit lower level of cost with their own, possibly their own funds, and, and get you know a double a, a double benefit here. So I, I, I don't want to say, when I say it's not set in stone, I'm saying that the, the what we're talking about from this perspective is that those two corridors are what the city asked us to help them with. Where you come in and say, "Hey, I got another idea. Why don't you think about this? Excellent suggestion." And you know, Marcos with uh, you know uh, DPW might manage. This is something you can pursue on a parallel track, and when that gets implemented, this could become an online. Uh, 
And to go on to, to get out, I mean, there's another program that the state has, the Complete Streets program. Uh, it's another source of funding. The city, we've submitted a, uh, a prioritization plan for Complete Streets. It listed a number of projects over the next couple of years that we intend to pursue. One of those was money for road paint. And the intent is to take the road paint and create bike lanes on Canal Street and a number of other streets that are on the, the bike network plan that we're working on right now. Wow. And, and, and to John's point, I truly think Canal Street will have bike lanes before this project is well, can I just give, I just want to give history, and I know Johang and Jerry can back me up on this because they're part of the, mm -hmm. the South Florida Neighborhood Association. The association reached out to Marcos and the city because as a neighborhood, we were talking about Ray Street is not connected to Main Street. And we did a whole visioning session. There's about 2535, 40 of us in Loretto House. And it was guys from the neighborhood, people from the buildings. And they're like, why is it that... Ray Street is getting done and not Cabot Street, when that's our main street. That's where we do our stuff. So we approached Marcos and we're like, you know, as a committee, and Carmen, if she was here, she would have been like, this is the street I want it done. Like, because that's what the neighborhood said. That, and when we did the festival last year, you know, when we put up the sign on that rickety bridge, we're like, why is the will of man sit? And they didn't understand that, the, and the neighborhood doesn't understand the disconnect from the state bridge being done to stopping right here. And then Cabin Street looks like shit, pardon my French. And then you go to Race Street and it's this beautiful new monolith of walk and bike. And so the neighborhood from this neighborhood was the one that said, Marcos, what, what, are, what is it? And, and, and Alex and the mayor and, and even Aaron were helpful. Like, what are we doing on this street? Like, what are we doing? And that's when, I don't know, he did his Marcos voodoo magic and was like, well, there's a Connecticut bike and river trail that, you know, maybe we could go for something. And if the neighborhood really wants it, and I remember you came when you did the Urban Agenda proposal, and Carmen and the people in the neighborhood were like, well, what about Cabot Street? Like, and that's why the committee decided to do the festival on Cabot Street. Because what if Cabot Street was to be done? What if Cabot Street was to have a festival on it where people can walk and play, and we shut down all of Cabot Street, and hopefully one year, Bryce, we can do that, that bridge and connect and do it all together. So I just want to give the historical context that that's where this came from, and we went, and I don't know how they figured out to this point. And I know Carmen's really, what she cares more about is the look and feel. Uh, they want it to look and feel more urban, more hood, more New Yorkish, or more Puerto Ricanish, or more like the, the Ray Street one, the colors are just red and black. It's like, like we want to see more vibrant colors. Or, and I saw even the, the cool way they put, they, read, they laid the red, I thought it was brick. They just laid some red stuff, and they took like the stamper and stamped it, and it's not real bricks. If you could just switch the colors up when you get to Cabot Street, like make it different and unique, so it creates a beautiful, vibrant thing. But I just want to give it. I don't know. Listen, I'm not a gay, but I suck at interior design. I was trying to suck at you. Yeah, I know. But I'm just letting you know. No, no, I think it's based on input. I would say look at, like I said, this is the Puerto Rican issue. Look at Caribbean Main Streets. Look at what their sidewalks look like or what their colors are. It's more vibrant. It's more like a brighter gray or whatever. It's different, vibrant colors. No, it's something we can look at sometimes, and I don't want to give an offshoot of that, but sometimes we're challenged with. The visually impaired have, and, and, and uh, seeing eye dogs and stuff, there, there are some things that we have to be cautious of that they meet some of those things, mm -hmm. but we, we are cognizant of if we come up with something vibrant or even even some uh, banner strips that kind of will, will promote that and the, the walkway is is uh, more recognizable to, uh, the, as I said, the sight impaired and, and their, um, their, uh, uh, their dogs and stuff, then we can incorporate both to make it work. But it isn't, it's still a great idea. I was trying to suck you and say, this is what we want. But... <laughs> I don't know. Uh, this, this may be a good one for uh, Mike. Can you talk a little bit about the cell separation project? Because that also fits into um, why, why we would have a street. So, some of you may know uh, Holyoke has a combined sewer system. That means that the storm drains and the sanitary sewer are all one pipe. And when it rains, the rainwater goes into that pipe and it's not large enough to carry all of the combined sewage and rainwater to the treatment plant without coming out of the ground somewhere. So 
in order to keep it from coming out of people's basements. A long time ago, they designed relief points in the river and in the canals so that during a rain event, combined sewage would go untreated into the rivers and canals. Holyoke's, uh, for the last 20 years, has been chipping away at this problem, uh, neighborhood by neighborhood, as money becomes available, uh, as as a as it can, and we're in the process now of finalizing the design of the elimination of the Jackson Street combined sewer overflow. Mm -hmm. um, it, it should be finished later this year. Uh, it should go out to construction. Uh, next year and be completed in, in 2019. The limits of that are uh, Main Street from Appleton to Cabot and then the neighborhood of, of Cabot from Race Down the Canal and over to 391. So within that entire neighborhood uh, there will be new sewers and where possible the existing sewers will be turned into storm drains but the sewers are also old so a lot of those pipes will have to be replaced with new pipes and at the same time since we're going to be doing a lot of construction there's a possibility that some of the water mains need to be replaced and some of the gas lines also need to be replaced so there's going to be a lot of excavation uh, a lot of work in the roads and it's going to disturb the entire neighborhood, including Cabot Street. Um, so we need to get that done before this project happens. Um, but once that's done, we shouldn't have to dig up Cabot Street or, or Main Street and race to fix this CSO project. Said one other comment on the safe streets and traffic calming not really, well, it slows traffic, but it creates a better flow. What I see in other parts of the country, and again in Europe, is that instead of keeping the street straight, they might take diagonal parking on one side of the street and no parking on the other, and then on the next block they'd alternate that, forcing the traffic to go in a zigzag. Again, creating a little bit more complication so the cars will not speed through as much, perhaps actually drive at the speed limit even without enforcement. I don't see that in any of the developments recently in our area. Even when it seems it, like it's, it's difficult to implement in short, if you can look at a wholesale type of change like that and how can we do it block by block as part of a bigger, like a master plan type thing, then it can be explored. Um, as the research at least that we've done along Cabot, there are a lot of buildings at the back of the walk. When you start putting an angle parking, you need a much greater distance and offset from the back of that parking to, to accommodate cars and they also accommodate bikes. So it's not something that I think we can work here, but it's something we can at least look a little more closely at so that way when we uh, we come back out and ask that question again, I'll have why we didn't do it that way or what some of the challenges were for. But it's something that has been explored in, in other parts of, um, it hasn't really caught on big in, in Massachusetts, but I have seen it in other parts of the country. Something we can look at and at least be able to come back to you with these are some of the things we looked and it didn't work for this reason. I've done it in, in pieces, I've done this part of um, this part of Beacon Street in uh, in Brookline, which was along the green line and the trolley, but it was it was a real challenge with the uh, the narrowness and, and the separation between the, the trolley, the bikes, <laughs> and um, the parking and then the cars, yeah. uh, but it is something we have done in a couple of locations. It's just uh, I don't know if it'll work. We'll, we'll certainly look at a little more closely. Yeah. Thank you. I I'm curious um, as um, if you can answer Marcos. I know that we discussed in the Holyoke Development Authority the plan of the urban plan to have been able to connect as a four. We call the what four nozzles? Was it remember the four Four nozzles. Yes. Yes. And um, how would that is that going to play uh, in this urban um, opportunity, or is that going to change the dynamic of it? So unfortunately, I don't have a map here, but what Gladys is uh, referencing is that if you were to look at the map of the downtown, uh, you can kind of 
draw almost a perfect square among these four nodes that were encapsulated in the 2009 Center City Vision Plan. It goes from the corner of, uh, in no particular order, uh, Main and Dwight Street, where the train station is. Uh, you go, I guess it will be west, uh, up to the corner of, uh, what is it, High and no, Maple and Dwight Street. Then uh, Maple and so where Veterans Park is and, and, and the bus station. Then you go down Maple to the, to the library at Cabot Street, and then the fourth node is Cabot and Maine, where this project is. So the, the, the vision around the Center City Vision Plan, to be redundant, uh, was that each one of those nodes would have a, 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 a large, it would be almost like a, like a mini center in the, in the center of the city. And, um, and so, so obviously, Maine and Cavity is kind of like the, the dual gateway to Sao Paulo coming out from Chicopee or from 391. It's the center of a lot of activity and it messes up Oasis and it pays the cafe and the Uri salon and, and, and all the stuff around Cabot Street. You have a train station on, on the other nodes, uh, the, the uh, city hall, the bus station, the department, and the library in the other side. So we're also kind of trying to target major projects around those nodes and this is one of them here. This was a public engagement session about the Connecticut River Walk and Bikeway Cabot Street Connector. For more information about the project, you can visit online holyokeredevelopment.com. Also, you can share your ideas, thoughts, suggestions, or inquiries about this project with the Office of Planning and Economical Development.